This is the Amazing Teacher Podcast with Sam Rangel, episode number 26. Welcome to the Amazing Teacher Podcast, where we sit down with amazing educators and pick their brains for tips, strategies, and ideas that you can take into your classrooms and be amazing. Now, here's your host, Sam Rangel. Welcome, amazing teachers, to the 26th episode of the Amazing Teacher Podcast. This is Sam from successintheclassroom.com, and I want to thank you again for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Today, I have 2014 Arizona Teacher of the Year, Beth Maloney, on the show, and I have to tell you, I had a great time speaking with Beth. I know you will find her as inspiring as I did. Uh, she has so much to share on the podcast, and I know that there will be many takeaways um, after you listen to the show. Uh, one part of the show that I thought was especially important was when she shared with me the importance of investing time into learning about brain research and how understanding how the brain works can help us become better teachers and allow us to better understand our kids. And I thought that was extremely valuable, so listen for that. Also, uh, listen for when she describes her meeting with the president. That was hilarious. You'll hear me in the background laughing my head off. That's yeah, so funny. So listen for that. Uh, I want to offer a special thanks to Beth because uh, I think I hit the mother load. You know, I'm always looking for uh, guests to come on the show and share their amazingness on uh, with my audience. And uh, Beth was kind enough to put me in contact with other state teachers of the year, and I already have four or five Uh, either recorded or in the pipeline so I'll be pretty busy with these podcasts for a while so thank you Beth you know and if if you're listening and you know of an amazing teacher whether they're award winners or not and you think they would be a great guest on the show and they have something to offer new teachers please let me know about them I know there are a lot of amazing teachers out there who we can learn from so just contact me at uh, theamazingteacher.com and let me know let me know I'd love to pick the brain for tips and strategies and ideas That'll help uh, my audience of new teachers and soon-to-be teachers. Uh, one, one, one little note, uh, in the middle of the podcast, we had some issues with Skype. So you'll probably notice a change in the audio, and that's when I switch from uh, recording uh, on Skype to uh, uh, recording over the phone, which still came out pretty good. And just, uh, just wanted to give the heads up in case you notice a change in audio. All right, so without further ado, let's get right into the podcast with Amazing Teacher and 2014 Arizona Teacher of the Year, Beth Maloney. Ready? Here we go. Today, I'm so happy to have Beth Maloney, the 2014 Arizona Teacher of the Year on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Beth. Thank you, Sam. Well, thank you for uh, taking time out of your day to sit down and let me pick your brain. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation, and I know our uh, audience, uh, our listeners will find this very, very valuable. I hope so. Well, before we begin, uh, Beth, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your teaching career, how you got into teaching, and maybe why you became a teacher? Sure. Um, I've proudly been teaching going on to my 15th year this year. Um, I taught kindergarten for eight years, um, loved it, but when I had my own child, I decided to move up in, in the school years a little bit, so then I taught third grade for two years. And I will be going into my fifth year of teaching fifth grade this year. Um, I taught for four years in Chicago. I'll be going into my 11th year of teaching in the beautiful state of Arizona. 
Um, I'm a National Board Certified Teacher. I'm certified in the area of um, Early Childhood Generalist, and I am very proud to be a candidate support provider for the Arizona K-12 Center for um, National Board Candidates looking to seek National Board certification throughout the state of Arizona. And um, it's kind of interesting how I got into teaching. I, I never um, really considered that I wanted to be a teacher. I thought I wanted to um, be in politics or be in the media or something like that. And uh, I started out my first year of college and I was majoring in um, political science with a minor in PR and went home that summer and had a job at our local YMCA summer camp. And I went home and told my boyfriend, who later became my husband, I can't believe they're paying me to hang out with kids all day. And he kind of looked at me and he said, you know, you might want to consider doing that for a living. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And he said, you know, like become a teacher. And from then on, I went back, changed my major. And 15 or so years later, here I am. Very happy that I made that choice. Now, looking back, all my friends and family told me they knew it all along because I used to play school in my basement every day. But I guess I didn't know it until later. <laughs> that That's funny. Um, you're I think you're the must be the third or fourth um, guest that I've that I've had that said that they didn't want to be a teacher, but they started in some kind of summer camp or some kind of uh, YMCA or so, something that had to do with just like uh, a fun volunteer kind of activity with kids and that changed their life that's 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 so cool that's so I think cool when you find out how much you love kids that can be the impetus for some people that didn't know they wanted to be teachers all the way along right. you know some teachers are born teachers and some teachers are made teachers very true um so when when you won the award first of all congratulations uh beth on winning the award for uh, teacher of the year uh you met the president can you tell me what it was like to meet the president Absolutely. I I went into it like any good English teacher. I did what I told my students to do. When you're having an experience, make sure that you remember your sensory details so that you can go back and write about it later, which of course is what I did. I wrote about it on my blog. But I'll tell you, um, I was very nervous. Uh, I couldn't believe that, you know, me, Beth Maloney from Surprise, Arizona, was sitting, waiting in line to meet the president. I could see him ahead of me. I saw him talking to my friends, the other 53 state teachers of the year, and I was toward the back of the line because they put us in reverse height order and I'm a little bit short. So I watched all my friends going up to meet him and I started getting really emotional, you know, meeting the, the leader of the free world. And, you know, I had it planned out exactly what I was going to say. So I didn't get tongue tied and I started, um, getting up really close and I started getting really emotional and I kind of started to cry and I was passing the final um, secret service agent and I, the tears started coming down and I, I, and I said out loud, don't cry, don't cry, way too much makeup on, don't cry. <laughs> and the, the secret service agent next to me just started cracking up <laughs> when he heard that. So I said, okay, if he's that relaxed, I'm going to be okay. I can do this. They had warned us, though, that make sure you look at the camera and smile when you get up to the president because there are no retakes on this. This is the picture you're going to show your great-grandkids. Uh -huh. Make sure you look good because it's their job to make the president look good, and you just do what you can to make sure you're looking and smiling. So with that in mind, I went up, and I gave him a big hug, and he gives great hugs. 
And his, I remember he was wearing like a wool suit and I couldn't believe he was wearing a wool suit because I was so hot. I couldn't believe how he was staying nice and calm and cool. And um, as we finished our hug, he kind of turned me to face the camera. And as he was turning me, he noticed that I have my nose pierced. Now, this is a small, very tasteful piercing, but it caught his eye. <laughs> and as he turned me, he touched my nose. <laughs> and all I can think is the president of the United States is touching my nose. And he kind of paused and he said, wow, they let teachers have their noses pierced? Wow. That is so cool. <laughs> so all I can think is he likes my nose piercing and everything, of course, that I wanted to say to him flew out of my head at that moment. But all I can say is if Michelle Obama ever has her nose pierced, you're going to know why. That's a, that is so cool. That is that is hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but we ended up having a really great conversation. Everything that I wanted to say to him just was gone out of my head. But yeah. we did have a good talk. That's funny. What a, what a great story. What a great story. Um, totally, <laughs> totally funny, funny, funny. Um, you mentioned your blog. I didn't know you had a blog. I do. I do. It's um, Beth Maloney, Daring to Teach, and it's on WordPress. Okay, I'm going to make sure I get that, I get that um, written down, um, and then I'm going to add that to the show notes so that people can find Great. you. Great. Great. Um, I'm on Twitter, too, um, at Daring to Teach. Okay, very good. I'll add that also to the, um, to the show notes. Uh, well, uh, Beth... The purpose of the podcast is to sit down with amazing teachers like yourself and pick their brains for tips, strategies, and ideas that new teachers can take into the classroom. Um, I know in your career, you've met many amazing teachers. Oh, yes. I work with some amazing ones. What would you say are the characteristics or qualities that are common among the amazing teachers that you've come in contact with? Absolutely. Um, I think the first quality that an amazing teacher has to have is caring. We have to care about our students um, inside of our classrooms and their lives outside of our classrooms because we know that their lives outside of the classrooms affect their life inside of the classroom. And I know at my school, Sunset Hills, we believe that our students are not just the kids that are right in front of us in our classroom every day but all of the kids of the Sunset Hills Bobcats count as our students. They all belong to our Sunset Hills family. So I definitely think the first quality of an amazing teacher is caring. The second one I think is equally as important. I think that an amazing teacher has to be a lifelong learner because when your students know that you value learning personally, I think it sets a precedent for what you expect of them. When they see that you are very enthusiastic about learning and you have this kind of optimism that you know that all kids can learn and, and that that's an expectation in your classroom, I think that's just kind of contagious to your students. So I would say the, the second quality of an amazing teacher is definitely being a lifelong learner themselves. And this is a big one, the third one, and this is the one I learned from my students, actually. I was doing um, an in-service development for um, some new teachers, 
And I asked my fifth graders to give me advice on what they think is important for a new teacher to say. And this was my favorite one. Kristen told me, don't forget to have fun teaching. And that just really struck me because, you know, we live in a world right now of very high stakes, kind of high pressure. Um, and hopefully that's going away and that won't last. But I think it's really important for amazing teachers to keep in mind that learning is fun and life in the classroom should be fun. And when you can find ways to make it fun, that's what makes the kids want to come to school every day. And, and you know, that's what makes me hop out of bed every morning before my alarm even goes off. I want to go in and, and have fun every day with my students. So I would say those are probably the top three qualities of amazing teachers, caring, lifelong learning, and just having fun. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. The, um, the, the point you make about uh, caring for all students, not just the ones in your class, but for all students, that seems to be a, a pretty common thread among all my guests. It's, it's just not, you're not just caring for the kids in your classroom. And, and if you, if you see another kid hurting uh, or, or in need outside the classroom, you, you go look for that, that uh, student's teacher. But you take the step uh, to help that kid because you care for all kids. I think that's a great, great point. And I think that's really important um, as a message to schools out there because, you know, we're a K-8 school. We have roughly 1,300 kids. I mean, it's a, it's a big school, especially for an elementary building. But it's very important, I think, for the safety and well-being of our students to know that we are all there for them, from our um, custodian to our front desk secretaries to our assistant principal and principal, especially the teachers. We are all there for them. And if they have a problem, they can go to anyone that they have a relationship with. I, I think that's part of what makes Sunset Hills and all the really good schools out there, that's what makes a really good school. It's not test scores. It's not being an A school or a B school or anything like that. I think it's the fact that kids know when they're cared for. I think, I think you're absolutely right. What a great, great, uh, great point there to make on the podcast. That's a great takeaway for, for new teachers right there. Care for all the kids, all the kids, not just the ones in your class. Good. Definitely. Uh, and then... Um, you know, you're talking about having fun with and all the pressure teachers have now with Common Core coming out and uh, all the the new demands that are being made on teachers. Having fun seems to get uh, lost sometimes. What would what would you uh, what would you recommend to a teacher who who maybe is uh, struggling with that uh, all those demands that are placed on him or her right now? How can you have fun in a class when you got to get through the curriculum? You know, I think that's a really good question, and I can see that being especially important for a new teacher when you're kind of still uh, new to the standards and new to the curriculum that you're required to teach. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind each individual lesson because mm -hmm. individual lessons can sometimes get lost when we're looking at, wow, this is the scope and sequence of everything that I need to teach these kids this year. Right. So I like to kind of break it down, you know, lesson by lesson, maybe even unit by unit. And I think of the kids in front of me this year, 
what do they like to do? What do I know about them? You know, last year I had a group of kids that were especially interested in gaming and technology in general. So I tried to really use that to my advantage to kind of capture their interest in in any lesson that I was doing, whether it was reading or science or social studies. I tried to incorporate what I knew they were interested in because then you have automatic buy-in from your students. Mm -hmm. And and to me, that's how I make it fun. When I see um, that I've captured my kids' interests, say, in in social studies, I was teaching my um, Columbus unit, my Explorers unit. And I knew that I needed to make it um, interesting to them because to a fifth grader, you know, something that happened 400 years ago is not always that interesting automatically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I knew that I needed to kind of um, capture them into this unit. So I made an iMovie um, focusing on pictures of them mixed with um, pictures of, of different um, pieces of literature that we were going to be using in this unit. And they just absolutely loved it. And it hooked them into this unit where we were putting Columbus on trial. Was he a hero or was he a villain? And um, just that, that little piece of technology that maybe took me a half hour to figure out how to do it really hooked them in for this, this month-long unit. And I just had them. That's what it takes. That's that's so cool. Uh, getting their pictures into the into the slideshow or into the iMovie, that's that's amazing. We um, I, I did this, the same thing. Anytime I had some kind of a story to tell, because I taught history, I taught history to eighth graders, which um, you know, not trying to get like you said, trying to get kids, especially at that age, interested in something that happened you know a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, is not not easy. You have to. Put it on a show sometimes, but again, getting that buy-in by including them somehow in the lesson is a great, great idea. Um, and I tell a story, and then I would, um, I would use one of the kids as one of the characters, you know. And and again, that that would just got them in, interested right away. And uh, a great, great idea to include the students into the lesson. That student-centered learning right there, where you're looking at what interests them. Uh, and using that in in your lesson plan instead of just using what you know you're interested in and you know, what 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 uh, the textbook says, you're including Absolutely. the kids. In great, great. And to me, that makes it really fun because I never teach the same lesson twice. Then, mm-hmm. I know the kids that I have coming in next year will be interested in other things. Mm-hmm. So I will find new ways to capture my next group of kids, and you know it'll make it new and fun for me as it's making it new and fun for them too. Right, right. When I when I first started teaching, I after my first year, I said, okay, I got all my lessons down. I'm set for the rest of the you know next five <laughs> next five years. And I re- realized right away that what worked one year is not going to work the next year, and so you have to keep changing. And that's what I think. That's what identifies uh, those amazing teachers. They're not uh, uh, stagnant. They they keep Definitely on moving. Not. They keep on creating new lesson plans every year and it's a lot of work it's a lot of work but again it pays off when you get the buy-in from the kids and uh you get you get uh, more engagement and the kids love coming to your class um absolutely this is where i i find my creative outlet to be mm-hmm. i'm not really you know i'm not too crafty and i'm not really artsy i think i get all my creative outlet through my my lesson planning because it allows me to to really think outside of the box and 
and really show off my creative style and in the in the form of how I teach my kids. And I just love that. It's very exciting to me. And it's funny, funny you mentioned that because um, I think that creativity element it seems to be fading away uh, in in a lot of classrooms. Uh, you always have those those amazing teachers that are always being creative, but some teachers because uh, it's just not being acknowledged or recognized. You know, I'm I'm working now in administration and I'm seeing that that's one area where I can have an impact. I can um, recognize and acknowledge creativity in the classroom. Because that's what that's what I love best about teaching that creative part. You know, how am I going to take this boring concept and make it interesting to the kids? And that's what, like like you said, got me up in the morning. Um, and I wonder if that's that's fading away. I wonder if that's something that administration should be um, looking into acknowledging and rewarding. You know, the creative lesson of the week. I think, you know, that's a really good question, especially in light of, I mean, we know that the job as principal is getting harder and harder as, you know, you guys are facing just as many demands as teachers are right now, as far as accountability and, and new um, teacher evaluations and things like that. I know that um, I am fortunate enough to teach with administrators who really value that kind of creativity and that kind of out of the box thinking. And I would encourage new teachers out there. um, If I could give them one piece of advice, it would be um, make sure that you are teaching in a situation where you feel valued, where you feel like your voice is heard and you are allowed to teach the way that you know is the best way to teach. You know, I, I think there are many, many great administrators and great schools out there. And sometimes it takes a lot of effort to find the one that best fits you. But if you are in a situation where you feel like your voice isn't heard and you aren't valued and and you're almost forced to teach in ways that you know aren't best for kids, mm-hmm. then I would encourage you to find the place that is best for you because it could drive a great teacher out of the profession. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it mm-hmm. happen. And it's a loss for all those kids out there that are losing great teachers, maybe because the teachers are in the wrong setting. Very true. Very, very true. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that as well. And that's great, great advice for uh, for new teachers, Beth. Um, for well, many new teachers. And uh, here's another big question that I I always get um, from new teachers. Many new teachers and even some veteran teachers struggle with classroom management. Um, what advice would you give a new teacher who may be having an issue with that class or or uh, those those students? as far as classroom management? You know, that's a really great question. And this is something that, you know, I continue to learn more and more about classroom management with every group of kids that I have. It's something that I would say after 15 years of teaching is is probably the biggest thing that I continue to work on and continue to grow on which might not be what a new teacher wants to hear, but, you know, that is um, truly one of the biggest struggles of teaching. You can know your content inside and out, but if you don't have good classroom management, your knowledge of your content isn't going to go anywhere. So I would say my number one tip is to make sure that you invest some personal time into learning brain-based research. We know 
so much so suddenly about how the brain works and how students learn best. And I think it's really, it's something my assistant principal taught me. It's educational malpractice. If you learn about brain research, but you don't use it in your classroom. And so what I'm telling new teachers lately is make sure that you invest just a little bit of time to, you know, read some of the research, read some of the amazing books that are out there lately. You know, I've learned different things about just tweaking lighting in my classroom or making sure that I incorporate movement breaks when I know that my students need them or making sure I let my kids have water bottles out on their desks. You know, little, little touches of brain research really help my students um, do their best in my classroom because they know that what we do is all brain-based. My, my first unit of any class, no matter what grade level or what subject I'm teaching, I teach them about their brains because when they understand how their brains work, they help me decide, oh, I need a brain break. I need to get up and stretch or I need to go, you know, walk around the hallway or I need a drink because I can't learn when I'm thirsty. You know, just little things like that um, are huge for helping kids um, learn how to manage themselves. And then the job for you is a little bit less. Um, but another tip that I would always give new teachers is to think about your classroom um, like it's a classroom family. And although that can sound a little touchy-feely, I really believe that it can work. Because I tell my kids, you know, we are with each other seven, seven and a half hours a day. And I often see my students more hours of the day than I actually see my own daughter. So I try to tell them, you know, we don't have a lot of rules in my classroom, but we do treat each other as we would treat our family. And I learned from the book, um, Teach Like a Pirate, my one rule is don't be mean. And I think that goes very far because, you know, we can treat each other with respect and, and we can have a lot of rules, but the one that I have found to be the most successful is just don't be mean. We are like a family together. And I think when you find ways to incorporate that kind of atmosphere into your classroom, when your students feel cared for and loved, they will be successful when they know that you care about them and when you treat them like family. And I think the third big tip I would give is this is what I've learned from personal experiences. Just be flexible. Um, if you set one kind of management policy, it doesn't mean you're married to it. You know, if you find out that it doesn't work for your students this year, don't be afraid to change it. Because um, what I have found from personal experiences, what works with one class may not work with the next class. So don't feel like, oh, this is what I found and this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Well, you know, kids are different every year and, and what really worked one year might not work the next year. And you may find that you change and grow as a teacher and, and what used to work for you maybe doesn't work for you anymore. So don't be afraid to be flexible and don't be afraid to change things up. You know, kids like novelty. Novelty is good for their brains anyway. So don't feel like just because you opened the year with one style of, you know, classroom behavior system, it doesn't mean you're married to that for the rest of the year. Right. 
What great, great advice. The uh, the brain research, educational malpractice. What a great quote. Um, I, you know, it's it's funny you mention that because we were just talking about this in our admin meeting about, well, a month ago before we went out of school. And uh, our counselor had brought in an article saying that, you know, especially for uh, the middle schoolers that I have, they're, they're the part of the brain that, that deals with responsibility and making correct decisions doesn't develop until after, you know, it's the last thing to develop in their brain. So a lot of times when you understand that, you're a little bit more patient when they don't do what we know they should be doing, especially at that age. I think that's exactly right. When you consider the brain development, especially of middle schoolers, we're talking 11, 12, 13 Mm -hmm. year olds, they are not always completely rational. And when you learn a little bit about the way that their brains work, it makes so much more sense. Mm -hmm. And it makes you, I think, you have to be a little bit more understanding about the way that they are, because it is their brains that are doing that. And I I just find it so interesting. Um, We we consider ourselves at Sunset Hills a brain-based school. And we have, um, when you come into our front office, we have this big tree painted on the wall. But when you look closer at it, the leaves are actually the two hemispheres of the brain. And Mm. the words overhead say, have you grown your brain forest today? And we talk to our kids about, you know, every time you learn something new, your neurons are making these connections. So you don't want to live on this deserted island of neurons. You want to live in this dense, rich rainforest of these neural connections that you are actively building every day. So it doesn't matter, you know, if if you maybe felt like you weren't the smartest kid in the class last year, you have to set all that aside. You have to have a growth mindset because what you do every day to grow your brain forest really, truly matters. And I think our kids really understand that and it makes them feel like they are in charge of their own learning. And it doesn't matter, you know, what they have felt like in the past. When they come to our classrooms, they are doing whatever they can do to grow their brain forest. Wow, that that is that is just great, great advice for for all teachers. You know, I I know a lot of teachers who have been teaching for a long time, and they get frustrated easy when the kids aren't you know figuring it out like like they should, like adults should. And I think just that that uh, a little quick lesson on on uh, brain research and brain development would go a long way to end some of that frustration and and bring back a little bit of joy to. Uh, the classroom for the teachers great um, I think so yeah great uh, advice there Beth thank you and then uh, teach like a pirate I I interviewed um, Dave Burgess uh, recently on the podcast and he's amazing I I read his book and again um, when I read it I was uh, I had been out of the classroom for about a year year and a half uh, about two years and it made me want to jump back in the classroom because of all the great ideas. Because what he was talking about, that's what I used to do. That's what I used to love. Love making these great lesson plans. And, and it, uh, it was just awesome. So, uh, again, I would encourage new teachers to read that book as well, Teach Like a Pirate. Great resource. Great resource. Absolutely. I use a lot of his ideas in my classroom, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's uh, and a great guy, too. Uh, well, uh, Beth, you have, do you have a favorite quote? that maybe has inspired you as a teacher? 
I absolutely do. My favorite quote as a teacher is inspired enthusiasm is contagious. And I really love this quote because I am an enthusiastic person, but what it tells me to my students is that when I'm inspired and when I'm enthusiastic about them, they feel it and they know that I care about them. I care about them as human beings. I care about them as learners. I care about them in their future and hope and do everything I can to help them be successful in their future. But I also think when I'm enthusiastic about my career and my teaching, it comes through to my students. They know the teachers that are just there, you know, maybe not having the best year or the best day. We bring that kind of atmosphere or attitude into our classrooms. Kids are experts at reading that off of us. Mm-hmm. So I make it a point every day when I walk through my door, room 256, I drop whatever baggage I'm bringing that day. I just drop it mentally at the door and come in every day with a fresh start. And I drink a lot of coffee to make sure that comes through to my students <laughs> and my energy and my enthusiasm. But I do what I have to do. But I really feel like when I'm enthusiastic about the subjects that I teach, that comes through to my students, too. When I pick up a book that I finished reading last night and I know they will love it and I give a quick two minute book talk and the kids hands are shooting up to see who can be the first one to read it. (laughs) I know I've done my job when I teach my kids about how much I love American history and how it inspires me to be a better citizen and a better American. I know that I'm reaching out to those kids and and making sure that they vote as soon as they become 18. You know, when they see how excited I am and how passionate I am about social studies and history, I think it, it is just contagious to them. But the bottom line is when they see that I love to learn, when they see that I come back from a conference and I can't wait to share with them this new tip or this new technique or something new that I learned, they see me as a lifelong learner. They know that I read blogs and I I listen to podcasts and I'm always online looking for more research. And, And I bring that to my classroom so that I'm modeling that for them. And I'm modeling that in a very enthusiastic, um, authentic kind of way. Because, you know, kids are so smart and they know when something is inauthentic or they know Mm -hmm. when a teacher doesn't really want to be there. And I think it's so crucial for us as as their education mentors to let them know that we love our jobs. Yeah, our jobs are hard. Nobody said teaching was going to be easy, but mm-hmm. that's not why we got into it. And I think it's really important for our kids to see us as being, you know, lovers of learning. Wow. Yeah. And uh, inspired enthusiasm is, is contagious. Great. Uh, is that your quote? You know, I wish I could say that it was. I <laughs> dug it up so many years ago when I was a new teacher, and I believe it is quoted as anonymous. Um, but it, that just really spoke to my heart and just, it speaks to me still to this day. I I think, I think that's so true. It reminds me of, um, uh, Chrissy Bonosdale. I don't know if you, if you know Chrissy, she's on online. Uh, she, she, one of my guests earlier and she said that if you're excited, the kids will be excited. Yes. Kind of the, kind of the same thing. 
very true. Very, very, very true. So, um, Beth, before we go, what, what's happening now in your life, uh, in, your, in your career that you're excited about? Well, you know, I am always excited about national board certification, and I would be remiss if I didn't um, give a little shout out to my national board people. Um, I would encourage new teachers to start thinking about the national board process. You um, aren't eligible to go through it until you've taught for at least three years, but it's never too soon to start thinking about it, um, doing a little research about it. I can tell you for me, um, it's the best personalized professional development I could ever do. Um, it has opened doors to me in my career as far as opportunities that I've been given and amazing people that I get to meet and work with. So I would encourage new teachers even to start, you know, maybe start going to a pre-candidacy class or start thinking about um, what kind of support your district or your state has for national board certification? Well, can, can you give us? An, uh, can you of, give us? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but can sorry, you give us a, a quick uh, overview of, of what that is for those of us who don't? Um... Sure, absolutely. Because I, I, I've seen a lot of teachers with that certification, but um, what does that entail? Well, I, this is the way that I like to to have people think about it. If you are going to go have surgery you would want to go to a board certified surgeon. Of course, you know, all doctors need and surgeons need to be board certified. So um, the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards started a number of years ago um, under that same assumption that just as we would never go to a doctor who was not board certified, um, perhaps we should start um, a, a peer review process where teachers could voluntarily submit their work to their peers um, for review. And it, it works essentially like that. Um, the components right now are undergoing a revision process, which is a really neat opportunity for um, new candidates to come on board because um, everything is changing and the process right now is being rolled out over a three-year process. So whereas I had to kind of um, cram everything in in a single year of candidacy, candidates right now could actually spread their candidacy over three years and be able to um, devote themselves to it a little bit more fully while not losing out on anything else that might be happening in their lives. <clears throat> but what it essentially is, is um, there is a written um, test component of it. And there's also a video component of it and some more reflection um, written responses to it, too. And you can um, do your area of expertise. So I was actually early childhood um, generalist um, because early childhood is where my heart will always belong, um, even though I teach fifth grade now. Um, but there are um, different subcategories for, um, you know, I mentor um, people in career in tech ed certification or art certification, um, literacy certification. It really depends on um, you, what you feel like your personal strengths are and the students that you teach. Wow, well, that's that's uh, and is a three year three year process to to complete all that. For the next three years, it will be a three year process, and then I believe um, starting in twenty. 16, 2017 school year, 
um, it will go back to being uh, an option to do it all in one year. But they're kind of rolling out the new um, standards um, on a three-year process right now. Wow. Wow, that's very, very, very interesting. Yeah, good. I'm glad uh, that you're encouraging new teachers to to go for that. Um, And this really, it helped me learn what my strengths were and and helped me reflect on how I could continue my journey on becoming the best teacher that I can possibly be. And it really helps you focus on that aspect of it. It's it's not a, a one time and you're done. Now I've got my certificate. Now I'm done. It really is much deeper than that. And it really helps you reflect on who you are and what your goals are for your students. Mm-hmm. Great, great. I know, I know I interrupted you um, on that question. Is there anything else happening in, uh, in your life that you're excited about? Well, you know, um, my daughter is a first grader this year, and she goes to school with me at Sunset Hills, so I'm always excited to see what she'll be doing in school this year. That's always fun. Um, and, you know, interesting things have been happening um, related to the um, teacher of the year aspect of everything I leave um, on Friday for space camp, and I am super excited about going to space camp, so that's really exciting. And I'm just super pumped to meet my next set of fifth graders in just a couple of weeks. <laughs> great, great. Will, will you be blogging about your space camp uh, activities there? Yes, I absolutely will be blogging about that. I'm sure I will be blogging um, very tired, (laughs) but (laughs) I will be blogging about it for sure. I hear that they work us pretty hard over there. Is is that right? Well, you talked about your daughter. My daughter is starting first grade as well. That's awesome. Yeah, she's all excited. Uh, She finished her kindergarten year, and it was awesome. Just just great, uh, great experience. Uh, uh, Kindergarten, just one of those those years. A lot of times I... uh, because I taught eighth grade, eighth graders and kindergartners, they're both uh, quite needy from what I understand. Yes, they're not that different. I tell yeah. teachers the only difference is how big they are. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll find out how first grade is. Uh, my daughter's real excited. So that's a nice First nice grade is great. Yeah. Um, is there anything else, anything else, Beth, you'd like to, to share with the, with the audience before we say goodbye? Um, I think that's about it. Um, I would love to continue conversations on Twitter if anyone is interested. I'm at Daring to Teach. Um, I'm on Facebook, Beth Maloney. Um, and my blog is Beth Maloney Daring to Teach. So, you know, if anybody wants to reach out and continue conversations, I would love it. Great. Well, that, that was going to be my next question, Beth. Where could we find <laughs> you to get to get more, uh, more to connect with you more, which is... Uh, Great. I'll make sure I'll have those um, links on the um, on the show notes on the webpage um, under underneath the the, uh, the podcast. And again, Beth, I just want to say thank you for taking time out to uh, let me pick your brain. It's been an amazing interview, um, inspiring, and uh, I I know uh, my audience as well will uh, will be inspired by our, our conversation. So thank you again. Thank you, Sam. I think you're doing really good work connecting teachers from across the country. I think it is so important for us to remember that we are all in this together. We teach different kids and we teach in different settings, but we all teach and we're stronger when we learn together and we learn from each other because we're the experts in the classroom. So I think it's phenomenal what you're doing and I I really hope you keep it up. Uh, Thank you, Beth. That, That means a lot. That means a lot. 
So to the listeners, I know you have received a lot of great information and inspiration in this episode. Now it's up to you to take it back to your classroom and implement what you learned today. So until next time, be amazing. The Amazing Teacher Podcast is brought to you by successintheclassroom.com. Learn more about being an amazing teacher by visiting successintheclassroom.com or theamazingteacher.com.